from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We're coming to you live from Jake's Food and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. Ross, hipsters, glasses, Martin is on assignment. He's believed to be on an Alaskan cruise liner where he's performing for the week. But with me, as always, the King of Thornton, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? We're here at Jake's Food and Spirits again. Uh, it is Mardi, well, no, not technically Mardi Gras. It's Fat Tuesday, which I believe is the beginning of Mardi Gras, right? I have no idea, but yes, I'll say yes to that. So if you've got some beads, I'll gladly wear them. And I will sh- flash you my tits if you need to see them. So, <laughs> if there's just, any desire, just, throw, out just there. throwing that out there, just throwing it on out for you, <laughs> for everybody out there. Um, not quite sure what Ross is up to. What he's he's told us he is performing on a cruise ship. Not yeah. sure what, or why, or how. I think, you know, it could be a comedy routine. He could be as a. Uh, you know, a back waiter. Who knows? He does play a mean saxophone, so he might be uh, might be in a band. You know, that's him in the song Baker Street. Yes. Du, 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 du. Yeah. yeah. So, Ross, wherever you are out there floating on that big old boat, we know you'll download this pod. We know you'll listen. Come back soon, Ross. We need to set up that new Zoom recorder, and I am way too yes. dumb to figure it out. We've got, the, we've got a new recorder, Ross. We need you because... Nate and I are not technologically advanced enough to uh, uh, use this thing. So we, we need our IT guy. We do. <laughs> we our IT, IT guy, guy, Ross Martin. Uh, uh, that makes no sense. All right. Anyway, <laughs> a lot of stuff to talk about. We got a, a short bit about the Broncos. Of course, there's the uh, ongoing Brett Favre-like saga of Peyton Manning. We'll get into a bunch of NBA trade rumors as well as what's going to happen with the Nuggets over the next couple of days. They don't return to action until February 20th in Milwaukee against the Bucks trade deadline will have come and gone by then and we'll see the nuggets uh sunday february 22nd in oklahoma city a game where uh, i will be in attendance yes you and are you are making the uh being brief trek to uh god's country yeah. oklahoma or as my dad would say not god's country <laughs> <laughs> my dad went to school in oklahoma and um Let's just say he has had nary a good word to say about it since. No so. one has ever said anything good about that state. The only good thing they've done is produced a power forward who takes too many jump shots, Blake Griffin. Yes, they do. Yes. Boomer, and they got that annoying song, Boomer Sooner. Yeah. How's it go? Sooner. Boomer Sooner. No, it's Boomer Sooner, Boomer Sooner, Boomer Sooner, Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> Seems right. Uh, All right, so Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning. Is he coming back? Is he not? Gary Kubiak says today that they they want Peyton Manning back, right? Or they would like to have him back. Yes. uh, Jerry Kubiak. Jerry Kubiak. Kubiak. It's his brother. It's his brother that's going to come in and wreak (laughs) havoc on the franchise. We thought we hired Gary, not Jerry. Damn it. Jerry Kubiak. Who's this guy wearing glasses? Um, This is doppelganger. Um, Gary Kubiak uh, did say that today, and let's quite let's be let's face it the, uh, the Nuggets, the Broncos have been saying this over and over for several weeks now, so it's not as if this is breaking news or anything like that. They've they've made it clear they wanted Peyton back. Yeah, what do you think of this? All this talk about uh, does Peyton need to take a pay cut? Yes or no? 
I mean, honestly, if, if this was the NBA, wouldn't we be asking JaVale McGee to restructure his contract? It's true, you know. And this is, this is only a discussion you have in the NFL, quite frankly, because no other league will ever have non-guaranteed contracts. It's just the NFL players were stupid enough to get that sort of thing in exchange for getting free agency back in the day. And their souls. <laughs> but to be quite honest with you, um, yeah, it really is. And... I don't think it should be, nor is it a prerequisite on him coming back. I, I just, I don't see why you coming back for less money matters in the grand scheme of things. Just can't they throw his uh, his playoff record in his face and be like, "Come on, man, eighteen million for this garbage? Come on, man, seriously, sixteen million tops? Come on." Are you off the Peyton bandwagon? No, I mean, if he doesn't come back, they got nothing. So yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back. Give me, give it to me one more. Right? Give it to me one more time. I can never. So that's Captain and Tennille. We need uh, Ross to play a little sax in there for us. <laughs> him and, I think he might be with Bill Clinton on that cruise ship. Yeah, he could be. But, but Bill Clinton was in Willie. New York, right? He was well, in New York hanging out with Dikembe. But, I mean, I think the cruise ship <laughs> just went on by, picked him up, and then, boom, they're on their way up the uh, northern Atlantic. Is that the Atlantic over there? Yes, Pacific? but that, that would be quite a long trip to go through the Arctic. I don't know if how enjoyable that cruise would be. It would be like a submarine trip. Never said Ross was smart. <laughs> <laughs> he got on a bad submarine. That's true. That's yeah. true. It was a Russian submarine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Peyton Manning, come on back, man. Come on. And, and take whatever money the team's willing to give you at this point. Right? Yeah. No. If they want him back, it'll be for $19 million. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, the Broncos haven't given any indication they want him to take a pay cut. Doesn't he just need to hawk a few more products? Like, I haven't seen him on an Apple commercial yet. Well, you know, it's not, it's not as if he's lacking the money. Wasn't he getting on a Western Union commercial? They probably have money to throw around, right? Western Qu- Union. Quicken Loans? Quick. Couldn't they use him? Doesn't Dan Gilbert own Quicken Loans? Yes. The predatory lender company. <laughs> that tried to get Kelly Dwyer from Yahoo Sports fired. Those <laughs> bastards. Those There's many reasons bastards. to get Kelly Dwyer fired, but that's not that particular issue wasn't one of them. Hey, Kelly Dwyer links to Denver Stiff, so that's he's he okay that's in my he, book. He does. I will go to bat for Kelly Dwyer on uh, I was just many jo- minor occasions. I know, I, know, I know Kelly listens occasionally. Kelly, I was joking. I was joking. What if he does get canned? He can always come right for us, Kelly. That's true. We can always use sure a slack-jawed yokel at Denver Stiffs. Kelly could write a... Tersely term, termed letter, and he can uh, write to our superiors, which is no one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Enough of this Broncos talk. Who cares? Uh, we're coming. We're, we're still in the midst of the NBA All Star Weekend. Yeah. Uh, the break is still upon us. Ty Lawson still sending out Instagrams of his buddies dancing. He's and, in the uh, background doing a little slow mo. And he's hanging out in Vegas. Oh. So. Is that where he is? Yeah. I didn't track. I remember last year, I think I tried to track down where all the players were and made a post about it. It's my best attempt at stalking the guys. I believe Gallo's still in New York. And Where's my boy? Where's Chandler? Uh, L.A. Damn it, Chandler. <laughs> Stop trying to move on to the Clippers. <laughs> we had a pact. The we Clippers. A- well, at least move on to a team that, you know, has a chance of winning. Or at least that has the you know that this really goes back to things we we're going to talk about tonight. Move to a team that has assets to trade. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of this All Star Weekend? What did you watch? What did you like? What did you dislike? Was there anything? 
it began and ended with Zach Levine's dunks. That's it. Begin, begin, you didn't watch the three-point competition? That it was, was like it was okay. It's always kind of uh, it was kind of the, the the final round was anticlimactic. Really, it was. There almost needs to be a way to. I don't know how they could tinker it to make it a little more exciting. I like how it is, but you know, you knew what after the third rack that Clay Thompson wasn't going to be able to catch his teammate Steph yep. Curry. So it was like, yeah, and he knew too. He didn't even finish shooting all the basketballs. I don't, I don't like this whole. You can put the money balls wherever you want, pick your shot type thing. Do you yeah. like that wrinkle? Well, no, I don't. And and quite quite frankly, it was it made the thing it made the competition. It's a slap in the face to Craig Hodges. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. Craig Hodges was a saint. Didn't didn't Del Curry participate in some three point shooting contests? I sure. believe he did. I believe he participated in the one in in uh, Charlotte. When they had it, I believe it was like 93. Larry Bird. Um, but this year, they had the best players by far were in the three-point contest versus the dunk contest. I mean, you had James Harden, the Splash Brothers, Kyle was Harden Corver, doing there? I don't know. Harden is not a what you would call a shooter. Matt Moore had the greatest line ever about, you know, what's Harden going to do? Pump fake the ball rack, <laughs> and when it doesn't go for it, he's going to lean into it, try to drop foul. <laughs> Well, it's just like it's just like he made no me. sense. Corver actually didn't do as well as I thought he would. I would almost want, you know, kind of like the home run derby. You don't want your players participating in it because it might ruin their shot. Like yeah. Corver didn't shoot very well. What no, if he, he didn't. What if he goes into the tank for this last quarter of the season? And JJ Redick shot a lot of long twos. Oh yeah, JJ. <laughs> he kept stepping on the line. Poor but no, JJ but Redick. let's just forget about the, the. Who else? Wasn't there like a random guy in it that had like mm. no chance? Or is that it? Is that the field? Oh yeah, Wes Matthews was in it. Wes Matthews. I, like that. Was I in love it. Wes Matthews. Yeah. Well, in the skills competition, they brought back old Penny Hardaway, which I hadn't seen old Penny for ages. I that was weird looking at him because that dude looks old now. Did you watch uh did you watch the Rising Stars game? I did not. Me neither. Would you have watched if Nurkic played? Yes. Really? Yeah. I still wouldn't have watched it. No, I still would have watched it. Well, I, yeah, I would have tuned in maybe. Did you watch it when Fareed was in there? Mm, I, I think I might have caught some highlights. Yeah, I, I don't I, care about that game. I'd watch it for, for Nurkic too because I watch it with Fareed because you know I got you got to support your boys. Yeah, you're you're better better than me, I guess. But you win, Jeff. You're the better man, you bastard. <laughs> but you know, in the grand in the grand scheme of things, you know the skills challenge, the, the highlight of the skills challenge, which was awful, by the way. The highlight of the Is skills. Can we just get rid of that? It really needs to because they they had them go at once. There's no skill in. I don't oh know. no, it wasn't. The, it was this kind of that round ball, sh- round round shooting thing where they go like, um, yeah. Well, anyway, they had fucking. Uh, did they still do before we talk about Penny? Did they still do the other thing where it's like the old player, uh, the female player, and the current male player? Yeah, yeah. Didn't watch that. Yeah, well, they had freaking Penny Hardaway out there, and I had not seen Penny for ages. Was he doing that? Yeah, the one where he was with a current star. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was just, just like it was Penny. I went, was transported back to 1994, God. you know, watching Penny Hardaway, who if I you, think all of us know one of the biggest disappointments in NBA history is what happened to Penny Hardaway and his freaking knees. If you haven't seen Penny, I mean, I, I've tweeted out from time to time his uh, YouTube highlights. I went back and watched Shaquille O'Neal, his rookie season highlights on YouTube. you got to go watch. I mean, these guys were unbelievable. You could argue that Shaq's prime and Penny's prime 
1996, maybe? 95 when they went to the finals. 95 they went to the finals, but really their prime started after that. Yeah, they're kind of that because team that didn't know what to do when they were in the finals. Shaq's prime began right about 96 and went to about 2001. You know, and then he it, ate himself out of and the then he, Yeah, basically, he ate himself out of the, the, the competition. Um, but Penny, man, think about it. If he didn't have those, those injuries, or that injury, basically, uh, where would he be? He would be listed among the greats because Penny Hardaway was really good. It might have gone really. Magic Johnson, Anthony Hardaway, John Stockton. Or I mean, obviously, if you're going to throw Oscar Robertson in there and some other I, guys, and, and, uh, but he was a, he would have been an all-time great point guard. Penny Hardaway was one of my favorite players to watch. Everyone, he was one of everyone's favorite players. I loved he? Penny Hardaway. Yeah, he was good, and it was good. But anyway, walking down memory lane. But also, your boy Scottie Pippen was uh, was on one of those teams too. I also they, like to they follow, had him shooting uh, threes, and I'm like, what are you doing having? Scotty Pippen shoot threes. Yeah. I saw him shoot maybe like three threes in his entire career. Of course, you know, he probably shot more than that. Do but. you follow Snotty Drippin on yes, Twitter? I do. Yeah, that's yes, a good I do. <laughs> So I, I didn't watch that. Uh, skills challenge, hate it. Three point challenge was fun. I feel like there needs to be, I, I don't know, it was competitive. It was fun. It was good. Uh, just a little anticlimactic because Clay didn't, you know, shoot very well in his last round. So it kind of took away some of the fun, but. I don't know. To see Steph Curry hit 13 in a row is pretty incredible. That's pretty nice. And then you have... Uh, was no Larry Bird, but... Yeah. was no Larry. And then you have the, the dunk contest, which I thought was awesome. I thought it was a good dunk contest. It As, was... Well, I got to tell you, Zach Levine... I, well, Ladipo was really good, too. Okay. Now, let's... Let, let me give a little inside information from Denver Stiffs. And people have seen uh, the Colorado Sports Guys video of Zach Levine dunking. It's called... Zach Levine Nuggets workout featuring Monster Dunk, I believe, is what I how I titled it. His his second dunk that he performed in that contest was the one that we got to see yes. live, like four feet away from the guy. Yes, I was standing. I was literally, I mean, if you people see the video, I was under the basket, and I could see just how it unfolded, and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And Les Shapiro was standing to my left, and he's like, I'm sold. It looked like he was on, like, wires. You know, like he was... Uh, there's he, a guy, Patrick Fenelon. Loat. Patrick Fenelon on, uh, on uh, Twitter says that he has hollow bones like a bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, he is a light. It could be very, very true. But I, the, the around-the-back dunk, I, just... You know what? We, it's been a long time since we've seen dunks like that in the, in the dunk contest, right? I mean, wouldn't even, you say... Even Oladipo trying to take the ball from Alfred Payton... And go palm it one-handed, go through his legs, and then perform that kind of windmill dunk. That was yeah. incredible. He it could, was. He didn't pull it off, but you know he did it in practice a handful of times in order to bring yep. it out here. So I, I, I liked it. Oladipo was the early. You know he gets that reverse dunk to go in, and everybody's like, "Oh man, he looks great!" And I'm like, "Dude, Zach Levine hasn't even gone yet. Like these guys are about to <laughs> and what, about what, to figure it out." What did you think of the Space Jam? Uh, I thought tribute. it was great, man. Yeah, it was cool. I've never I've never seen Space Jam all the way through, but I liked it. I appreciated it. How has you as an NBA fan, as big as an NBA fan you are, not seen Space Jam all the way through? I don't understand that. When this. I was a wee lad, I watched a movie called Roger Rabbit that had some animation with real life, and it scarred me deeply. <laughs> so I've, I've always been a little leery of anime meeting reality. <laughs> so I, I tend to steer clear from that, and claymation <laughs> really freaks me out a lot, too. <laughs> 
sharks wow. and snakes, if we're, anybody's wondering the really, entire list. We're really delving deep into Nate's psyche right now. Yeah. But no, uh, listen, I actually, to be honest with you, I was, when Space Jam came out, I was 18. So. 18 with an attitude, kind of snotty acting real rude. That too. And. <laughs> and it was kind of like it's a Nelly song. For it was kind of like it didn't really have an impact on me because I was too old. But there's a lot of kids who are like probably watched a, a lot, lot of snot nosed kids. Uh, yeah, getting a couple, getting our uh, whistles wet here at Jake's Food and Spirits. We are two for one Tuesdays on two Fat for Tuesday. One. Um, a lot of kids grew up on Space Jam, and I was already an adult basically when the movie came out. A young adult. A young adult, and I was like, yeah, you know, it, it, I. It didn't have the same, and I was not a Jordan fan. Yeah, that's I was just, not a Jordan. That's fan. just stupid, right there. Remember, I was a Knicks fan in the in the nineties. Yeah, and uh, that you it's know. almost unforgivable. <laughs> hey, man, Hold you got to admit you like Charles Oakley. And uh, have you seen John him recently? Starks. That'll freak you out. It looks like he dipped his head in white paint. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's like Oakley. When did you become an old grandfather? <laughs> So I'm talking about it with Carl Malone about how he met James Dolan and James Dolan wouldn't look him in the eye. I wouldn't look Charles Oakley in the eye either. No. You treat him like a predatory animal. You do. You try to act bigger, but don't look him in the eye. Slowly back away. If he comes <laughs> after you, turn and run like hell. Charles I, I, Charles Oakley, I loved about him is he always bore a grudge for the the, uh, the bulls. Like, trading him trading for him. Bill Cartwright. <laughs> yeah. Cartwright, table three, Cartwright. <laughs> That's what I love. He's like, it, you always burned. inside. But anyway, it's... Regardless of Jeff walking down memory lane again, um, Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Back, he he was like, he was influenced and loved Space Jam, and you're like, you think about this, and then there's, are there are there people out there who are like influenced by the movie Amazing Grace and Chuck? No, no. <laughs> are they garbage. are they uh, influenced by the White Shadow? No. Are no. they influenced by the Fish Who Saved Pittsburgh? No. Fast Break. No. <laughs> None Maybe blue chips. Blue chips? Yeah, I was heavily influenced. Anthony Hardaway was awesome. Homesick kid. Much, yeah. like, much like Yusuf Nurkic, who decided to go back to Bosnia versus subjecting himself to that, that game. I thought it was totally fine. I, 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 get, I was fine with it. I get the side of it would have been nice to see a Nuggets uniform at All-Star Weekend. I also think it, it might have been really good for him to be around some of those superstar players because you kind of get to see how they operate. Maybe you pick up on a couple of their little tips and work ethics. So I think going forward, if he's asked to play in it next year as, as a sophomore, he definitely should go. He needs to experience some of that, and I, I think it's invaluable to be around winners, and you can pick up little tidbits from them. You know? I have, got, have it on good authority, me, that the Nuggets really tried to convince him to stay. And this is true. It's been reported by Chris Dempsey, too. They really did want him to stay and do this. Right, but to be to be honest with you, I kind of appreciate uh, him sticking to his guns like that. I mean, it's like, it's, but he wasn't even intended to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's like it was. A, he wasn't a originally selected. He made other yeah. plans. You know, I, I went back to it. You're a young kid. You're 20. You leave yep. your country. I mean, yep. God, I went to Casper, Wyoming, and I wound up missing my family like crazy. And I was four hours away. I can't imagine what, what he was kind of going through there. And it's because it's, it's Casper. Yeah, and it's, it's part of life, you know, in, in the NBA, and you got to deal with it. But, okay, we'll move on from that. Did you watch the All-Star game quickly? Well, let's just delve into that. No. Well, no, I did. I did. I watched, like, the first half, and then I switched over to the Saturday Night Live 40th. 
I watched a replay of the game that was on. I think they aired it right again afterwards or something. And I caught like five minutes and then just went it back did, to. It was hard to watch. I mean, all all star games are hard to watch. Yeah, they're just, just they're just you know what are you going to do? I rented a movie I wanted to watch Gone Girl. What with that? You watched Gone Girl? Oh God, it was good. It's a good movie. It's not exactly life affirming, but it's maddening a- movie. <laughs> maddening. If you haven't seen Gone Girl, you got to get it. You have to. Mm. So okay, well that's All Star Weekend. That's in the books, and All Star Weekend really, to me, is about you know I don't know how many. It's not like summer league. I don't think where all the GMs are there and all the executives are there, but there's a good amount of guys that go to All Star Weekend. I know last year especially. I know Tim Conley was in New Orleans. That's where he spent you know a good amount of his career. A few years down yeah, there. Yeah, a few years under Dell Demps, who was the assistant GM. And we went to the, we went to the D League All Star Game, and sitting in front of me is Daryl Morey. So you know those guys are around. So it's interesting because those guys are around, but what they like to do is they go enjoy the nightlife. They have some drinks. They talk about their teams. They might potentially start talking about trades. And then as soon as the All-Star weekend's over, boom, we get NBA news. Amari Stoudemire gets bought out. Uh, the past two days have been filled with, you know, who's going to be traded, what's heating up. And now tonight we're finally seeing some real rumors, you know, start to fly with players. And, and we see the going on Dragic news that's probably going to headline this trade deadline is Goran Dragic. I mean, he's probably yeah. the best player that could be moved that's at least on the radar. i got to tell you, it's made the trade deadline quite a bit more interesting. By the way, how soon after the All-Star game did Melo get traded? Was it that next afternoon? I don't remember. Probably. I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah, it really was, like, right after the game. Because I remember uh, I was we were having one of our... Okay, this is how far Nate and I... <laughs> have been having our text conversations with furiously texting about who should write something about Melo. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> because who's it came out of, Everyone knew it was coming, and then it just kind of came. The have, like, the worst timing. George Carl got fired when I was helping my sister with a job. I was driving home, <laughs> freaking out about how this story's going to get written. The Melo trade happens. I believe I was maybe out of pocket. Then the Nene trade happens when I was just about to move on. Uh, I don't know what else I was doing, but I was like, okay, trade deadline's over, and then, bam, that happens, and I have to scramble. You the know? trade deadline happened. I mean, that, that, that trade happened late. Yeah. I mean, like, it was like 10 o'clock at night, I believe, it came down. Well, no, it was, it was like 5. I think the deadline's at 5 or oh, 6. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was like that, but it was like right at the, like right at the buzzer. But anyway, the Goran, Goran Dragic apparently, according to Sam Amick of the USA Today. Phenomenal reporter. Yes, Everybody should be following him, pay attention to his stuff. Yes, he is. Um, he says uh, Goran Dragic tells Suns he won't resign after this season. Basically, what this means is that Goran Dragic and his representatives went to the Suns management and said, we are not going to resign with you no matter what you do. How do you think this sours? Like, what it, signing... Uh, or trading for Isaiah Thomas to me was incredibly awkward. Why they it's like didn't... the Nuggets bringing in Nate Robinson when they have Andre Miller and Ty Lawson? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's different, but it's it's creating a logjam and it's it's creating some. Well, did these? It's just like with Andre Iguodala. You know, Masai Ujiri leaves, George Carl's gone, and Iguodala's left to go. Well, geez, everybody that wanted me here is now gone. Like, why do I want to be here? Yeah, type thing. It's more. It, Goran Dragic proved a lot last season if he's in the right system. And it really depends. But what I've always liked about Dragic is he's got, a great, got the right attitude for a point guard because he's kind of an asshole. 
And that's kind of what you want. You know, kind of Chris Paul is like kind of an asshole. You want that kind of guy because the NBA has become such a point guard dominating league, you know. And what what this has done is it's completely changed the dynamic of the trade deadline. Now everyone's going to be waiting for Goran Dragic to be dealt before they're waiting for any Nuggets player to be dealt, right. which was the linchpin before. Because, I mean, there's teams out there that really need a, a point guard, frankly. They need an upgrade. Houston yes. Rockets could use one. Yes. Uh, the Lakers are trying to get their name in the mix. Well, apparently um, ESPN was saying something about the Rockets. Uh, let me see here. Not being contenders. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, that uh, Dragic wouldn't resign Dragic long-term. would not resign long term with Mark the Rockets. Stein. And according I guess, to Mark Stein, I guess Dragic has released a, a short list of teams that he would approve trades to, or that he would like them to work with. And the Lakers are among those teams. It's always interesting to me that players can have that kind of an influence. You know, here's where I would prefer to go, but well, again, remember, Dragic remember. has a little leverage because he's going to be a free agent. So he's going to be a free agent, and you know what? Good for him because this team would not hesitate to trade your ass if they thought they could get a better player. But it's very helpful, too. Like Obviously, Carmelo Anthony let the Nuggets know, trade me to New York, whether it be the Nets or the Knicks, and that helped Denver out because then they could get a little bit back because frankly, you're not going to give up a lot for Dragic if he's a rental. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna be hesitant to give up too much. But if you know that Dragic is going to resign with you long term, then by all means, you might give up a little bit more and say, okay, let's make this a little more fair. Well, let me ask you something. You want Goran Dragic, five years, seventy million, or Eric Bledsoe, five years, seventy million? That's a good question. I mean, I, I would probably say Dragic, but I, I don't know. It depends on age. Depends on where your team is. The Suns are not you know a serious contender by any means Dragic is going to be 29 come May 6th they're kind of at the 8th seed right now aren't they in the west and his he's come down a little bit his three point shooting's down it's 35% still good down from 40% the season before still about the same attempts he's a 50% shooter from you know field goals that's excellent he's a guy that can get you some assists he's not a heavy assist guy you know only 4.1 this year 4.5 over his career he's a scoring guy you know his scoring's down a little bit but you know again the Suns are are using more point guard play there with with Isaiah Thomas and and Bledsoe being in the mix more heavily well you know I think what to be honest with you this brings into focus what the Nuggets should be doing and to be quite to be quite honest with you there's some some stuff out there that is kind of it, no one was expecting well okay the drug the drugish thing was kind of floating out there but no one was, was expecting the definitive answer because everyone assumed the Suns would be signing him because that's what the Suns were putting out even there. even Suns bloggers I was talking with Dave King and he you know following him on Twitter excellent blogger for bright side of the Sun was convinced that you know the Suns weren't wanting to move him and that he probably wouldn't be moved, but you know, again, you can't you can't predict what what Dragic was going to say today of of releasing this information and basically putting the Suns in a pretty bad spot. To, uh, to they uh, basically basically obliterated all their leverage. Clock is ticking, this. and then and with not much time left, because it's like, well, hey, you know, he's only approved these couple of teams, so you know, trade him here, 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 and this is all you're going to get back. Uh, there's <laughs> dream trade scenario. Yeah, I'll read you the Nate Timmons yeah. dream trade scenario. I don't know if it's a dream, but it's it's a trade that I think could help all teams out. 
Phoenix Suns acquire Aaron Aflalo, Kenneth Reed. Houston Rockets acquire Ty Lawson, Darrell Arthur, and Randy Foy. Denver Nuggets receive the Pelicans picked at the Rockets' own. Goran Dragic, Terrence Jones from the Rockets. No so, idea if this works in the trade machine. That's an interesting proposal there, Nate. It's interesting. That is very interesting. Um, I would actually do that trade in a heartbeat. Do Dragic and Terrence Jones have, is it similar upside to what Lawson and Freed are going to give you? I think Dragic has more upside. Um, but is Dragic younger? How old is Goran Dragic? He's 28. He's going to be 29 in mm, May. Then no. He's at his ceiling. So Ty Lawson's 27, going to be 28 in November. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Damn ESPN and their stupid auto videos. <laughs> auto plays. But, I mean, Ty's, it's a year, so it's, it's the same scenario you had with uh, Aaron Aflalo and, and Andre Iguodala at the time the Nuggets acquired Iguodala. A guy that's you know looks two years older, but he's only like a year older. Yeah, because when the Nuggets got uh, Iggy, he was twenty nine. Yeah. Oh, what does that do for the Nuggets? I mean, would the Nuggets be better off? Well, let's get into some of that. So Dragic is going to be the linchpin, right? He's going to probably be the biggest domino that could fall, barring some names that might get thrown into the mix here soon. Oh, but. oh by the way, I was wrong. Apparently Pitbull's in Denver. So. Ooh, so Jack Gallo's in Denver. Gallo is in Denver. So, I, I was wrong. It's a good man. That's that leader we're talking about. Um, but, you, you know, listen. I would love that. I'm not sure, and I, I'm actually relatively certain we're not on Goran Dragic's preferred list of teams. <laughs> <laughs> so... Grand scheme of things, I don't, I don't. It's it's really in the grand in in the ether. But what it does is it kind of limits. Wouldn't Dragic be a point guard that, that Brian Shaw would love to have? Leader, competitive. Uh, I, you know what? Well-rounded player. To be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure. How long before Dragic he, speaks out against Shaw? Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure Dragic is what he would want because he wants a defensive point guard, kind of like a George Hill. Or a, uh, a a big point guard who can defend. Nah. I mean, so it's like you'd be completely wasted on the Nuggets. So it wouldn't work anyway. And we're not among. Maybe we can trade Ty Lawson for Patrick Beverly, and then Shaw can have his defensive point guard, and the Nuggets can stay in the lottery for the next fifty-five years. <laughs> 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 so uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> so the trade deadline, obviously, it's Dragic. Is going to be a piece. The Nuggets. What about the Nuggets side? We hear, you know, even tonight I was I was on with Reno Nataro of Mile High Sports, and he says, you know, I'd like to see ten players from this team traded. And, you know, and you, you think, okay, so the Nuggets could trade anywhere from zero to ten guys. What's your prediction for how many guys you think that they may actually trade? Maybe one. Maybe one. Maybe one. Because, okay, so. Wojnowski had an article out today too, right? Or an article out just about yes, a half hour ago where yes, he, he talks did. about... Uh, it's called uh, Trade Buzz. Uh, NBA Trade Buzz. Clippers, Blazers, I, Tayshaun Prince as a potential buyout candidate by Adrian Wojnarowski. So that's... 
And in this article, Woj mentions that Jameer Nelson could possibly be a candidate for a buyout, or teams are hoping that he would get bought out. They're hoping it, but the Nuggets have, apparently, according to him, the Nuggets have no intention of cutting him loose right now. Which is, this is why the Nuggets are saying that. Because Jameer Nelson has almost little to no value on the trade market. Yeah. The Nuggets like what he brings from the locker room perspective. Brian Shaw really likes how he runs an offense, how he's able to run an offense. Slow. Um, And... Basically, this is another candidate for a buyout. The Nuggets have Jameer Nelson, Randy Foy, and Darrell Arthur, three guys that could really help out contending teams that the most that they would bring back, even in a package deal, if you traded all three of them together, is a future second-round pick. Yeah, There's no trade value there, which almost kind of makes you sad that the Nuggets, you know, I was down with it at the time, but Costa Kufas would be a nice piece to trade right now at the deadline. <laughs> would be, wouldn't he? <laughs> could have netted you Probably a couple of first-rounders from somebody. He's an expiring $3 million contract. Yeah, that plays defense, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is he even, I don't know. I, don't, I, I could not stand Costa Kubis' game. I, I wasn't a fan. I thought he was I know terrible. analytics people really, really, really liked his stuff. The problem is he only worked within Carl's system really well. And he got absolutely demolished by any center that had any kind of game. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and it really, that's what happened, you know? And uh, I don't know. I, so, so the Nuggets have three buyout candidates. Yeah. Right? They have Aaron Aflalo and they have Wilson Chandler. Anybody else that gets traded, if the Nuggets were able to trade JaVale McGee, that would be, uh, I said it earlier with, with Renault. if the Nuggets traded JaVale McGee, Tim Conley automatically jumps into the top three for executive of the year. Yep. <laughs> because we've all seen JaVale. Everyone who's watched the Nuggets recently has seen JaVale. He's not right. He's limping heavily. I'd be surprised if he passed a physical. And Tyson Chandler to the Thunder. And it's to the point where you're like, what would be the best option to do with JaVale? And part of me thinks that maybe you just cut him. You just work out a buyout and say, goodbye, JaVale. Do, do, what, a, do what the uh, Knicks did with Amari Stoudemire. Would you use that stretch provision on him? But, I mean, it, again, it's it's next year at $12 million, But it would be $12 million the Nuggets could really use. Yep. And that's, that's But then the again, thing. if they're rebuilding. Yeah, but we don't know if they're rebuilding. Yeah. Let me point this out to everyone who's assuming that the Nuggets are rebuilding. The Nuggets have not said that at all. They have not said they're rebuilding. They're not saying anything about destroying the team. Really, the only, the only thing that we have is when Conley was on the podcast with us where he said he's not interested in having a, in being the GM of a team that has to claw its way into the playoffs, meaning a 7th or an 8th seed. Yeah. But he's also not interested in a 10-win team, which means tanking, which means yeah. building with youth. You know, he's, he's the Nuggets want to rebuild on the fly. Where that philosophy, philosophy has been proven, who's done it, Anybody? Has anyone done it? I mean, geez. Atlanta. You son of a bitch. You got to... <laughs> yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta did it because they got rid of Joe Johnson. Who else did they get rid of? Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams. Um, uh, that's probably about it. That's probably it, but those are two big contracts. And they they did a great... They had a great contract with Paul Millsap two years at... Was it two years... Ten million a piece. Yeah, 
or something like that. I mean, unbelievable deal with him, but the problem there is he's a free agent after the season, so Atlanta is a team in my book that should be doing everything in their power to try to win the title right now because they have no long-term staying power in my opinion. They don't. They don't, and that's the the problem with And that's why I would call Atlanta and say, hey, if you guys think you could win the title, wouldn't you be best served with Ty Lawson on your roster versus Dennis Schroeder? We'll take Dennis Schroeder off your hands right now. We'll have our point guard of the future, and you guys can go all in on some insane plan in Atlanta. Do you like Schroeder? He's a young point guard that does some exciting things. I mean, watching him play, he can shoot the ball. Uh, he, he plays defense decently, and he's got a really, he's a really creative passer. I mean, he's kind of a – I don't even know who his, his passing is like. Almost – I don't want to say Steph Curry, but he's a creative passer like a Steph Curry. He throws those one-handed kind of – you know, it's either going to be a turnover or it's going to be a beautiful assist. But you know who was a creative p- passer? Mahmoud abdul Believe it or not. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember too much of his passing. He he, he was, was really a cre- he, you know, I would describe him as creative in the passing uh, area, but he was also extremely small, so you can't really compare him to that. But I don't know. Schroeder's. I, I mean, I haven't seen enough of Schroeder to, to know, other than the fact that he's got the. Hashim Thabit, uh, the Nigerian you know, blonde, the blonde in there. So that's it. Yeah, and to me, it's just a, it's, it would be a move to get somebody young. But then again, if the Nuggets wind up with a crazy pick and they're able to get the guy that Paul Klee mentioned on our show that is now running wild on on the Denver Stiffs comment section is uh, D'Angelo Russell. You know, if you get a young point guard <laughs> in, in in that mold, you know, you, you find somebody there. And to me, point guard is the easiest position to replace. So if you could trade Ty Lawson, if the Nuggets went that route. They should try to get a non-point guard in return for him. They should probably try to get, like Houston, a guy like Terrence Jones plus that draft pick. Yeah. And then you can trade Fareed near the draft to try to move up to get a guy like D'Angelo Russell in the draft. Yeah, and Fareed is interesting. I mean, what do you... Fareed has value in the league. His contract situation is weird. Would the Nuggets have been way better off if they hadn't have given Fareed an extension? You don't see me. But I'm tapping my nose right now. Yes, they would have been so much better. They could have offered him like <laughs> five years, like thirty million at this point, right? Yep, because <laughs> his value has tanked. And then again, I mean, you, you put him on trade him to for the Nuggets. Let's say, let's say you trade Kenneth Freed for David Lee, and then you have the Golden State yeah. Warriors who are able to. I'm not. This is from the purely from Golden State's view. Yeah. Golden State gets to unload the contract to David Lee. They get Kenneth Fareed, and all of a sudden, they're bringing Kenneth Fareed off the bench in Golden State. Holy shit, that's a good player. That's a guy that you don't have to create shots for. You still run your offense through the Splash Brothers, through Harrison Barnes, through uh, through Iguodala a little bit, and through Sean Livingston a little bit as a second unit, and you let Fareed go in and just wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. And you have him next to Andrew Bogut. You have Draymond Green out there you can play with him. I mean, Freed is a very valuable player in a lot of scenarios. He was very valuable for the Nuggets as a 57-win team when he was just asked to be the manimal. So if he's moving to a team where they have a lot of good stuff around him, he is an excellent, excellent player. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds because... Freed is the one wild card in the Nuggets. Because I... Well, you know, there was a report from uh, Zach Lowe uh, that the, the Nuggets were... There's several suitors for Ty Lawson that the Nuggets had. The way he worded it, and I don't know if you have it in front of you, Nate, here. 
No. Uh, <laughs> but basically, it was like Lawson, the way Lowe worded it was implying that the Nuggets were listening to offers on Lawson. Uh, Chris Dempsey of the Denver Post came out today and in a couple tweets said, well, the Nuggets aren't actively shopping Ty. They've had calls. They've rebuffed them. They've had calls. But what wasn't really discussed in Dempsey's tweets was Kenneth Fareed. Now, yeah, we, he didn't come out with the Kenneth Fareed story that to say the same thing? No. He, it was only Ty. Just because Lowe kicked up a little more dust about Ty, the yeah. Nuggets aren't going to... That's a, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, th- it, it makes you wonder. Yeah, I think the Nuggets have been looking for an upgrade at point guard since Brian Shaw got to town. So I, I think Well, it I depends think on easily, what you mean by upgrade, but yeah. I think the Nuggets have been looking for a different player. than I think they've been looking to trade Kenneth Freed since Brian Shaw got to town. And yeah. I, I think yeah. that Kenneth Freed could be had over Ty Lawson in any trade scenario if the Nuggets got a decent offer. I mean, obviously, you know, Conley coming, or not Conley, but Dempsey writing that article today, Whoever, wherever he's getting his information from, whether it be agents, coaches, front office guys, mm-hmm. ball boys, whoever, it, it just signifies that the Nuggets haven't gotten the right offer yet, right? Yeah. It's teams, teams haven't been willing to pony up enough. Or at the same time, the Nuggets want to make sure that you know Ty Lawson feels loved and that they're not trying to actively trade him because he's the best player on the team. Yeah. And I, the thing that really kind of annoys me, is all the leadership talk with Ty Lawson. I don't think Ty Lawson needs to be a leader. I think that the Nuggets should just move on from the fact that he's not a leader and you could still he could still be the point guard of an NBA championship team. And if you had other players around him, then you'd be fine. And the thing that we're going to keep coming back to is, you know, whatever happens with Aaron Aflalo, they're going to get minimum value for him. Maybe they get a first-round pick in the future, a future first, or... Who knows what they get for him? Maybe they get a prospect. Maybe Toronto takes a flyer with Terrence Ross, or who knows what the heck happens. But the the question is going to loom over the Nuggets until they actually decide on the direction of this team. When are they going to do something? When are they going to, I mean, we hear last year, well, maybe we'll make these moves to move up in the draft. No, they moved back in the draft. Yes, they got good value, but how much longer are we going to have to sit and wait for a plan to unfold and and when are the Nuggets going to choose between their roster and their coach? You know, what What, what the heck's going on here? Well, well it, this brings us to something that else, something that kind of ties in to what we're talking about with Brian, with uh, the Nuggets uh, roster is that the Nuggets, by now, and we're coming up to today's the 17th of February, the Nuggets resume play on the 20th. And the deadline is on the 19th, which is Thursday. Brian Shaw is still the coach of the Nuggets. And I think that probably tells you all you need to know about what the Nuggets think of Brian Shaw. Thy losing shall continue. (laughs) And thy name is the Nuggets. So. Ooh. Going to say Wojnowski's Phoenix is Goran Dragic wants trade to Lakers, Knicks, or Miami Heat. Suns could be defiant. So that's going to be that's going to play out for a long time. That's also going to scare people into thinking, "Wow, the big markets are really going to get somebody." Los Angeles, Miami, New York—that's crazy. 
Well, yeah. Um, just totally derailed our Nuggets to combo what are there. You, what are you doing? My bad. My bad. My bad. So, I mean, I mean, I, I look at the, you look at the Sacramento Kings. They hire George Carl. Roster be damned, right? I mean, George Carl is known as being a, a fast-paced point guard coach that likes to play fast and, for whatever reasons, has never really utilized a big man. And they have probably, you know, the most talented offensive center in basketball. And they hire a coach that's not known for being a, a big man coach. I mean, so many teams, when you look at them, are, are they, you know... Do you cater to your coach, or do you cater to your roster? Do you cater to the talent that you can get? It feels almost like the Nuggets don't get it. Maybe Brian Shaw is going to be an excellent coach in two years if they stick with him, and you know, perhaps I'm one of the dumbest people around. But I just I don't understand what Denver is doing because they're not catering at all to their roster. I would be disappointed if the Nuggets do what I predicted and only trade, say, Aaron Aflalo. You're not going to be alone there. Because it would be tepid, and you know that there's several teams out there who want Wilson Chandler, who basically want Jameer Nelson. It's like the Nuggets just keep dipping their toes into a rebuild. Then that, that is, that's what is bugging people, is that it's... It's this half-assed approach. And, this, and the Mozgov thing was such a, a sign of we're going to move in a different direction. It was the, the first domino of, wow, maybe they're starting to move there. And, I and know then they f- trade Nate Robinson, and, and it's you, like, wow, this is getting really good. And you and I know for a fact that lost, that locker room was very kind of solemn after Mozgov was traded. It was partially because they liked Mozgov and partially because the team kind of knew what was coming. Like, hey, this isn't working. Like, we're going to get rid of our... Yeah. You know, starting caliber center who's now playing like an all-star. So what do you, I mean, I mean, but then if they only trade a flaw, I mean, it's like, yeah, people are in Denver would rightfully say, what gives? And then you, you know, and then you just set up. I mean, the Nuggets are, they're, they keep, it seems like they're delaying the inevitable. And we're going to get into the offseason. If they only trade a follow, if they, if they don't go with a bunch of moves at this deadline, if they go into the offseason with this roster and with this coach, it's going to set up a very interesting summer where, you know, we're going to be wondering at what point we're going to hear, is the team going to keep Brian Shaw? Are they going to get rid of him? Chris Dempsey's gone on record many times you know, recently saying that, you know, Brian Shaw is going to be on the sideline next year, you know, barring, you know, the Nuggets' view right now is that he's going to be their man. That view could change with what happens the rest of this season, what happens over the summer. We don't know, but well, yeah. all signs point to Brian Shaw being on that sideline next summer. So we already know that this roster does not work for him. So if the Nuggets are going to put off trades now in hopes that they can do something at the draft, that's putting a lot of eggs into a basket that hasn't really proven out. I mean, I'm trying to think of when was the last time a team traded away a few players at the draft and really remade their team. I, I just I don't get why well, the, Nuggets the Nuggets think of that 2000, 2011 <laughs> completely remade their team after they traded away traded away Mello, Chauncey, Ronaldo Balkman, and uh, Sheldon Williams. 
Yeah. And they at com- the trade deadline. At the trade deadline. It completely remade the team. And they ended up winning, what, like 19 out of 25 or something like that? Yeah. And I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was it was a lot. So you can do it, but the problem is it seems like the Nuggets are expecting the Holy Grail because maybe the Mozgov trade gave them outsized expectations about what to expect when that was a perfect confluence of a desperate team coupled with a desired asset that the Nuggets had. You just can't repeat that. Well, I just, I'm, I'm, that. I'm curious to know if the Nuggets, if they think that, are they not trading guys because they actually believe they can make trades at the draft that are going to change the direction of this team and give them a, a roster that, that they find desirable? Or is it that the Nuggets are just delaying the inevitable? You know, Are they actually going to do something? Do, do they believe that this roster can actually win? All evidence says no. Do they believe that over the summer they're going to be able to make a move that they can't make right now because they really like the draft coming up? We've heard good things about the draft, but teams don't usually trade for veteran players for draft picks. Or, you know, I, I just, I'm having trouble figuring out. Like, Let me ask you something. Why would you trade for Wilson Chandler on draft night when you needed him for a playoff run right now? uh, You need him now. To be to be quite honest with you, his buyout option means nothing in the offseason. Don't you don't you need (laughs) don't you need Kenneth Fareed right now? If if you're going to trade Fareed, wouldn't you rather have him now if you're a playoff? I don't know. If Wilson Chandler was going to be traded, it's now. You cannot trade him if you keep him. Otherwise, you let him go. You buy him out for two million. Or you resign him, or you let him. You take out that. You take that seven seven million dollars from the last two seasons. I, I don't think that he would be a buyout candidate in any, yeah. any shape. They're not going to let that kind of asset go, no. especially when you when you could get a first round pick and maybe a prospect from from Portland. So if they don't trade him now, they ain't going to trade him. And if they do, they're. I don't know if they would get more. I, I don't see any scenario where they're going to get more value for him than right now. So if he's not traded Thursday. Wilson Chandler is going to be on the team next season. Yes. And the Nuggets believe in him as their starting small forward when evidence indicates he probably is better coming off the bench, which, again, is another problem with what the Nuggets believe and what is actually reality. And I like Wilson. I think Wilson would be a – I think he's a tremendous sixth man. I think he's a, a very good player off the bench. And I think he could be a, you know, a, a key player for a very good team. I think he would be awesome with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, according to Woj, I'm just reading this. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, Woj is, is, uh, wrote in an article, um, the Suns have until 3 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, which is the, the trade deadline, which is 5 p.m. Mountain, uh, um, to make a deal or risk losing Drogic without compensation. Or the Suns could remain defiant of doing deals with those chosen teams and trade Drogic elsewhere and dare him to take less guaranteed money to join the Lakers next to the Heat. Because they wouldn't get his bird rights. If the Suns did that, they would murder their ability to get free agents. There's no way they do that. Zero. They're just they're playing a little cat and mouse right now. Yeah, they are. There's no. I mean, people can't take that crap seriously. But anyway, regardless, I, I just read that and I wanted to bring it up. Um, this all comes back to Brian Shaw. All of this... Everything the Nuggets are doing is coming back to Brian Shaw. And 
say the Nuggets don't really make any move other than trading Aaron Aflalo. I don't really see that impacting their record, to be quite honest with you. They're on a trajectory going down, right? Yeah. So you don't really make any moves. The Nuggets end up with a 27-50-something and 50 something record, right? Seven more games they win. <laughs> yeah. And you pray does that, that guarantee Dryan Shaw his job back? I just don't. I don't know. Because I, the Nuggets obviously have indicated that they're going to keep him, and he only has, as we pointed out last week, one year left on his contract. Yeah, and then if, I mean, if if, <laughs> if Brian Shaw signs a contract extension, I mean, there's going to be, I don't know, unless I'm just completely off and the Nuggets and Brian Shaw are on to something that we have not seen yet, if they're seeing the, the forest through the trees or whatever that saying is, you know, I just don't see any indication that Brian Shaw is going to be a winner in Denver and that he's going to be able to turn things around. I don't care what his roster looks like. I mean, outside of LeBron James coming in here, Chris Bosh, which to me, I think trying to trade for a superstar, the more I look at it, the more I think about it. Yes, it worked for Houston. Houston's thrown down a lot of it's money. It's hard to do. But Houston also identified, which is an argument with analytics. Houston's analytics, I mean, people think analytics mean only a couple of things. I, I know our, our tremendous writer, Adam, Adam Mayers, is hopefully going to join us pretty soon for a podcast to discuss some of this stuff. But listening to, I think it was Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons talking about it, Houston identified that James Harden was going to be a superstar player, that he was a guy that they could play 35 minutes a night and he was going to return value because of what they were able to, you know, surmise through their analytics department. You know, they, they figured he was going to be a good player. He's worth the gamble. They go out and get him. Bam. Charles Barkley said at the time he liked the trade for Oklahoma City and didn't think James Harden was going to be good at 30 minutes a night. Yeah. And then recently Charles Barkley says, well, they went out and got James Harden, so duh, of course they're good. Well, yeah, but you have to have a, a team that's able to recognize. And when the Nuggets are talking about when, when Brooke Lopez is the one-star player that might be available that you can get, who are you kidding that Brooke Lopez is going to be on an upward trajectory? If anything, you want him to maintain where he is, but he's not going to become better than he is right now. There's no way. So who, unless the Nuggets are identifying a couple of guys that they can go out and get, but when are they going to go out and get them? Like, what, how long are you going to wait, and how, how many games are you willing to lose, and how many jobs are you willing to lose in order to try to make some kind of experiment work that's not going to work? Yeah, it, it really... It Kind of, this is the confusion and the anger that comes from no. I'm confused. I'm angry. (laughs) (laughs) Because the problem is, no one knows what the Nuggets are doing. And that has been true for the last two years. It feels like you're playing blackjack at a table with a dealer where you're just getting killed. And you're like, if I stay here long enough, my luck's going to change. And it's like, I just don't know if that's true or not. The Nuggets, uh, next season, both Gallo and JaVale McGee, presuming they don't buy him out, um, will be expiring contracts, right? Yeah. So that's 20, $22 million, $23 million off the cap, right? Yeah. If they just let them expire, which they won't do. Um, A lot of teams should do that more often, I think. I mean, just eat the fact that you signed McGee to this contract, let it ride out, let him go. 
don't parlay that into a bigger problem with a guy like Brooke Lopez or player X, Y, or Z. See, and that's been the problem is that when you see these rumors about Brooke Lopez, you're like... He's one injury away from being on his couch the rest of his life. Yeah, and and you, you, you see that and you go like, are you really identifying an actual viable player anymore? Are you identifying a guess? Are you thinking, oh, maybe I think this guy was good about three years ago. Maybe if we put this brontosaurus on the court in Denver, (laughs) Brian Shaw will finally have a player that he can walk the ball up the floor, dump into the post, and maybe 52% of the time he's going to score with the ball in the post. Yeah. I I don't know. I I think think Nuggets fans are, are growing more and more frustrated. We see it. We get asked questions all the time about it. We have people on you know, Twitter, Facebook, on our website saying, you know, when, when are they going to change things and get back to – when are they going to change something? Because, frankly, it, it's going to come back to season ticket sales and, and how much the Nuggets want to see that. But yeah. If they come back with Brian Shaw next season and a roster largely the same as it is right now, that's going to be the worst arena in the NBA to play in. Well, it is already now. Hearing, I can't imagine it getting worse. There's a, there's a former player <laughs> – that is uh, on an, uh, that's announcing in the NBA. And I heard him in the media lounge. He was talking, and he said, Man, when I used to play, this was like, this building was rocking. Like, you hated coming in here. You hated it. He goes, What happened? Well, Brian Shaw and this new, not Brian Shaw, Josh Kroenke's new philosophy happened, and it hasn't paid off yet. And Josh Kroenke needs to realize that this isn't working. Well, listen. You can't slow. I, I was so against you and Andy's. You have to play fast in Denver. Ever, a lot of people were saying it. Sandy Club's been on it. I was said, you know, it, stylistically, it doesn't matter. What matters are wins and losses. And if you can win playing a slow it down style, people will get behind that. You don't think Memphis's building it, it rocks on good nights? You don't think that place is going to be crazy come playoff time? They don't play exciting basketball by any means. So I think you can. Fans will get behind winning. But at the same time, you have such an advantage in Denver, and you have a roster that that's made to run, man. Like I just, if you're going to keep the roster, you got to get rid of the coach. If you're going to keep the coach, you got to get rid of the roster. I think if the Nuggets were going to go continue this direction, they need a different voice with the same philosophy. Maybe not the same system, but the same philosophy. That's why maybe a Mike Malone coming in or something like that. If they're going to do that, it would be more effective with a different voice. And that's what I'm saying. Right now, the voices that Brian Shaw has is not effective. And then people have completely misunderstood what I've been saying, especially on the Denver Stiffs. It's like the coach has made the existing issues worse. As Andy said astutely, he's taken a 500 roster and made them a 300 team. Well, what do you what do you, you know? think the players are on their phones when they're supposed to be watching film? It, it's it's to me, they probably weren't doing that under George Carl. No, there might have been some some horseplay, some goof around. We heard you know Shaw talking about cleaning up after yourself on an airplane. I don't know how that kind of stuff worked under George because frankly, George never talked about it. He never made it an issue. He never felt that he should air a bunch of dirty laundry on record. Uh, I mean, he would, though. He would, he would dog guys sometimes. But at the same time, 
the Nuggets players, from what I can tell, do not like playing for Brian Shaw. Therefore, yeah, they're going to be on their phone while they're supposed to be watching film because they don't yeah. give a shit about what he's talking about. And they don't want to watch whatever film they're watching where he's saying, hey, guys, you see what you're doing here? Yeah, that play was terrible, coach. You had me shooting a 15-footer that, you know, I'm only going to make 25% of the time. Had I been able to go to the rim there, I don't know. I mean, I can't speculate. That's just more. speculation by me. Listen, the, 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 the Nuggets, there's several players in the Nuggets are smarter than they're given credit for, you know. And that's how this thing has kind of, what's been so frustrating for those of us who cover the Nuggets. We understand that this team is has players on it that are fairly smart and have been known to be fairly professional in their, their careers. And successful. And successful. And it's not working here, and there's only one common denominator, and that's Brian Shaw. And then you see that the Nuggets, obviously, since they did not terminate Brian Shaw last week after the, the, the break started, you knew immediately they were going to keep him. So now that they're keeping him, it's like, all right, and then you don't trade anyone but Aaron Aflalo, maybe. That sends mixed signals, and it just basically guarantees that the team is going to be... Listen, people can take losing if they know that the team is tanking, all right? People can take it. But if you keep the existing roster, that means that sends a different signal to the fans. It just makes no sense. And again, it comes down to does the front office truly believe that they're going to be in a better situation in the offseason than they are right now to make moves to get assets that they want, that they need, which maybe it is. Maybe, you know, maybe the draft lottery comes and goes and the Nuggets wind up with the seventh or eighth or ninth pick and they're able to parlay the ninth pick plus something else to the team that has the number three pick. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe that does work out. Maybe, you know, maybe the ninth pick plus Kenneth Reed is enough to entice whoever has the third overall pick to make a deal, and then the Nuggets, boom, have a top three pick. You know, I mean, I mean when the Nuggets drafted Brent Berry, it was a 15th pick in the draft, and they were able to parlay Part that for the number two pick for Anto- Antonio McDonald. That was the most successful draft day trade other than getting uh, Nene for Antonio McDice and, uh, yeah. But, but again, that was that was. Uh, so you look at those two trades. Okay, so those are those are what we've what we've been kind of hitting at here. Draft day trades. The fifteenth pick, Brent Berry, plus I think it was Brian Williams and Rodney Rogers to the Clippers. Yeah, to the Clippers for McDice. Yeah, and the and yeah, Brent Berry, um, Brian Williams, and Rodney Rogers to the Clippers. God, you know what? That was a good team. I'll look it up because I want to see that what was, that, that team had some was. talent on it. But, I mean, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about are the Nuggets going to be able to parlay current players on the roster plus whatever pick they have to move up to get whatever picks they may want. I mean, that's that's the only really plan that I can see if Denver doesn't do a lot right now. So here's, here's yeah, three-team trade. Wait. What? Okay. Good Lord, that was it? Okay, so the Nuggets fleeced the Clippers, one of the worst-ran teams ever in 1995, by any and all accounts. They had an a, a insanely racist, crazy owner. Who knows who, who was running that team? So June 28th, 95. That would have been, uh, that would have been what's his Baylor? name? Elgin Baylor running yeah, it. Then. Poor Elgin Baylor. Yeah. So the Nuggets traded, uh, God, 
Brent Berry and Rodney Rogers. For Antonio McDice and Randy Woods. Where did Brian Williams go? I thought he went to the Clippers. Not in that trade. Really? Which is insane to think that the Nuggets... Okay, so you look at that. Brent Berry, that's the 15th pick. Rodney Rogers, who is, for all intents... He was a bench player for Denver, right? Yeah. So the Nuggets traded the 15th pick and a Rodney, bench player yeah. for the number two overall pick in 95. So reason would stand. The Nuggets do have hope that they could parlay the 6th, 7th, 8th, or ninth pick plus a guy like Kenneth Fareed for a top three pick. It's been done before. I don't know if any team would be dumb enough to do that or be crazy enough to take that kind of gamble, but it stands within reason that the Nuggets might be able to do something like that, right? Yeah. But that would, okay, So again, how, how many times does that happen? Though? So then in 2002, Antonio McDice again, this time he's with the Nuggets, is traded by Denver with Frank Williams, who was a draft pick. He was a first-round pick, late, late pick, and a second-round pick. They trade those to the Knicks for Marcus Camby, who was a, a veteran player that had tons of injury problems. Nene, who was the seventh pick in that draft? Yeah. Six, seven, somewhere in there. And Mark Jackson. So there's another trade where the Nuggets were able to parlay a veteran and a, you know, a low first-round draft pick, well, a second-round pick people have to remember, for a very high pick. People have to remember, Antonio McDice was in the Let's see, a, a half a year, no, a three quarters of a year into an injury that would take him out for two years and three quarters. But again, that was another <laughs> team where the Nuggets were dealing with the Knicks in 2002, who, for all intents and purposes, were not a very well run franchise in 2002. I mean, there's really no way. Think about this. If you were the Knicks at that point in time, how happy would you be receiving Antonio McDice and giving up a lottery pick? Depending on where your team is, I guess you'd maybe feel either way about it. But. Well, I mean, okay, so if, if, okay if we're going to extrapolate this to 2015, aren't, what exactly do the Nuggets have that compares to trading a borderline... Okay, Antonio McDice, before his injury, was a star in this league, right? But I think, I think teams also value top three picks a lot more than they probably did. So why why, how it's not the same situation. I don't know how the Nuggets could move up or get a player of any value. Rookie scale contracts are very valuable in the NBA. They're way more valuable than expiring contracts. That's going to be the interesting part. If the Nuggets truly believe that they can pull off another Antonio McDice type trade again it would require them to actually take action though. They actually have to make... We haven't seen them jump forward in a draft. We've seen them jump backwards in a draft the last two drafts in a row. They, you know, The Rudy Gobert trade, which... Whatever you think about Rudy Gobert, that was a mistake. Yeah. Rudy Gobert is... You know, it was a mistake. So, again, you, you kind of see that teams shouldn't be trading away first-round draft picks, especially on draft day, because you never know who those players are going to turn into... Which leads to more skepticism as to what the Nuggets could actually trade for if they plan on trying to build around trading into this draft. And then again, you're like, man, what if they what if they trade up and they draft Skidishvili or Rafael France or Tony Petit? Now this only works for the Nuggets if they get the first pick or the first maybe the top three pick. So say like the Nuggets keep losing, they get lucky in the lottery, get top three, right? But, I mean, there's no guarantee that D'Angelo Russell is the next yeah. Steve Nash. 
this this draft is uh, you know with, Chris with any draft you never know, and so how are how do you think that the first say the first three first four picks in this draft will get you what you're desiring? Trading for a superstar? To be honest with you, I'm not sure this particular draft will get you that. And yeah. that's the problem. And even back then, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I, mean, I watched McDice at Alabama. I thought he was a, a heck of a player, kind of an athletic freak, but there was no reason to believe that he was ever going to develop that turnaround jumper that he had. You know? Oh, that turnaround jumper, man. I mean, he, that's again why, <laughs> why to me it's, 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 you have to be incredibly lucky. You have to find a guy that, you know, like that article indicated about the Philadelphia 76ers recently where they're charting shots in practice and pregame, which is insane. But, again, that, that does show you I believe there's value in that because I believe if you, like, compare Timothy Mozgov and JaVale McGee. Timothy Mozgov, one of the last guys to leave the practice floor, one of the guys that went out pregame, and did a pregame routine, warmed up. Yeah. JaVale McGee, one of the first guys to leave the practice facility or the practice court. Yeah. And one of the first guys, I don't think, I, at least when George Carl was here, I didn't ever see him do any, any pregame warm ups like early haven't. like that, like Costa Kubas and Mozgov did every single game. JaVale was never a part of that. Never seen JaVale do pregame warm ups, never seen him do extra work. So, again, you have to be so, able to identify players that have tremendous work ethic. And, I, and Tim Conley mentioned that to us, you know, when he said, I'll buy tickets to a college game. When he talked about it on the podcast, you know, he'll buy tickets to a college game and just sit in the stands and listen to what people say about guys. You know, I mean, there's, there's value in identifying which guys are going to work hard. But, again, there's no sure thing there. So it's, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. You just hope that you wind up with a guy that has a work ethic like Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant. That is so hard to identify. Yeah. And, you know, and, the, and I read that Hinky article that uh, ESPN had. And Shout out Chantech for posting that on Denver yeah. Stiffs. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, it, was a, it wasn't a bunch of hooey. But it was, was it, what it was was all it was did identify the fact that you can't, you don't have analytics for mental makeup. That's all it proved to me, right? And and that's the problem. It's that it's so hard to find that guy. You know the reasons I like kind of what what Philly does there by kind of charting shots and practice and stuff. You're evaluating bio, you you're know. evaluating your own players that are currently on the team. Yeah. How do you evaluate guys that aren't on the team yet? I mean, you can evaluate your own guys, and that's easier to do once you're around them. This but just like the Nuggets, when they traded for McGee, they traded for him because they wanted to see what he would bring, and they wanted to see if they could transform him into something that he wasn't. The Sixers drafted Joel Embiid coming off of, well, two injuries, by the way. It wasn't just one. Two injuries. He had a back injury. During his senior, not a senior season, but his uh, what sophomore season? Yeah, or was it sophomore or junior? Embiid, freshman, freshman. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> um, There's no sophomores in, or juniors that's true, you're right. <laughs> in college anymore. They're worth a damn. <laughs> uh, a back injury, and then he got the foot thing. Okay, those are the two worst injuries for big men, and then he just. Apparently, from a lot of reports, is kind of like, eh, kind of lazy. 
So Yeah, like the book's kind of still out on his mental makeup. So they took a huge gamble on that with this draft-based, what I'm calling a draft-based system. The Nuggets are not doing that. And let's bring it back to the Nuggets. The Nuggets do have a tremendous international scouting group, okay? Rafael Juke. I mean, Tim Connolly is really good as an international scout. And they have a lot of international guys that they won't talk about that they get information from. Yeah, exactly. And they, they've got... They don't want to mention who they are. Yeah. They don't want anybody to know. They have got a, a sophisticated network out there, right? I'm not entirely sure that their network in-country is as good. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, you got... So, you can say, I know, I know Tim does a lot of scouting throughout the country. You know, he'll say, mm-hmm. I like to go here and there and watch college games. Yep. You know, you have guys like Jarrett Jeffries who might... Who knows what, what he's able to identify. But you're right. I mean, let's say the Nuggets get a, a top five pick and a guy like D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell's there and, you know, the Nuggets take, you know... Lampe Magique. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what you have to deal with. Like, oh my gosh, what if they missed on the next surefire thing? And that's that's kind of what's scary about about if the Nuggets are going to go all chips in on the draft. But then again, I, I don't know. Maybe the Nuggets think in the offseason they're going to have, I don't know. It's Maybe they think they're going to have more options. But like you, I, I'm starting to worry again that we're not going to see a direction at this trade deadline, which I kind of hoped we'd see by either not bringing Shaw back or, or by remaking some of this roster, I feel like we're going to be stuck in the mud until the offseason once again. That's the fear. Which, you know, you listen to guys like, like Ray Martinelli on our site that say that's maybe what they should do. Maybe they shouldn't panic and, and trade off some of these pieces, but you know, if Wilson Chandler is a part of your future, that's one thing. If Wilson Chandler is not part of your future, you should trade him by Thursday. Same thing with Flalo. Same thing with Jameer Nelson. Flalo's, <laughs> I think Flalo's gone. Jameer Nelson, I can. You're not going to get anything for him. Do you want to buy him out? Let him go somewhere. That's probably the fairest thing to do for him. I know that the Nuggets have a very good relationship with Randy Foy as well. Maybe it's fair to him to buy him out. Let him see if he can go catch on somewhere and make well, a title run. Well, when you think about it, maybe maybe Randy Foy should go. You know. He has no role here. I mean, he's there's no he's role. Got, he's off the bench, and he's Randy Foy is a guy that should be shooting three pointers for a, a, a team in the hunt off the bench. He has no future in Denver. The Nuggets are not; they don't have a title window anywhere in, in the near future. So, you know, Darrell Arthur, exact same thing. Darrell Arthur is a guy that could help a team like the Clippers. Can't really help the Nuggets at all. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that he would be a, a very valuable piece, kind of like a Brandon Bass. I keep thinking, why do the Celtics keep hanging on to Brandon Bass? I think if you're on the outside looking in, you think, why in the heck are the Nuggets hanging on to Darrell Arthur, Randy Foy, and Jameer Nelson? What do they need these guys for? Yeah, you want some of the right kind of veterans around your team, and that's where you kind of get into the scary waters of, you know, when Chauncey Billups went to the Minnesota Timberwolves, he gives a ton of credit to a couple veterans there that helped to reshape his career. Oh, yeah. Kevin Garnett. And, uh, he became very good friends with Kevin Garnett. There's a couple other, um, yeah, a couple other veterans. I don't remember who they are offhand, but they're in that Tom Friend article on ESPN. Yeah. He mentions them in there. But that's what you need. You need a couple of guys like, you know, and that's why I think you'd be fine jettisoning off those guys if you keep Daniil Gallinari because yeah. Gallinari is another guy like Mozgov yeah. who's one of the last guys to leave the practice floor. And really is a great teammate and mm-hmm. is a guy that can show young guys the rope. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree. And listen, we're today is Tuesday when we're recording this. You guys will be hearing this on Wednesday. Um, Nuggets have a day and uh, day and a half, maybe, to do a trade. And it'll be telling because they'll be suiting up in Milwaukee. You know, there's going to be some guys that aren't suiting up in that game. Yeah. And it makes you, I mean, you would hope that they would find a place for Aaron Aflalo. And I would hope that they try do more trades. I mean, to be honest with you, if you, even if you just trade Aaron Aflalo, it's not going to affect this team. Even if you just get future second-round picks, you know, then you can really load up on the international guys down the road. And, yeah. you know, you get some more. If you can, if you could trade Jameer, Foy, and, and Arthur, if you can get one or two second-round picks for any combination of those guys or one of those guys, you do it versus a buyout. Obviously, you want to collect assets. But yeah. at the same time, there's there may not be a ton of leverage because teams would figure, hey, they're probably just going to buy these guys out, right? That's what conventional well, wisdom yeah. would think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, it just makes you wonder. I, to be honest with you, th- th- this whole could, this whole podcast could be irrelevant as of tomorrow. You know, you know, it could be posted up, and then people are, you know, suddenly the they trade, trade this guy. <laughs> uh, uh, everyone on the roster for this guy, you know, and then of course, LeBron James is coming home to Denver. <laughs> yeah, coming home. They got this him. Big Sports Illustrated article, but you never know. And but I just my fear is that they won't, and then my fear is that whatever action the Nuggets do will be just this tepid, dip your toe in the water kind of move, and it won't move the needle as you know, as, as uh, Tim Connolly is fond of saying, he wants to move the needle with a trade. Well, now is a good time to do it. Yeah. So, and there's a an interesting or. Uh, Semi-interesting tweet. I don't know who this guy is. Do you know Brian Getzler? Uh, yeah, he's Hoops a... Hoops Critic? Yeah. Founder of Hoops Critic? Yeah. He just uh, tweeted out, when was this? 7.52 p.m. today, February 17th, right? Sources tell me Brian Shaw is all but finished in Denver, and Conley could be in trouble too. Ownership watching deadline closely. So there's more hearsay and rumors out there for, for people. Brian Getzler? Getzler? Gets, gets, Getzler. Getzler. Geltzler. Geltzler. <laughs> At Hoops Critic. <laughs> That's Jeez. That's and, I, and I've actually listened to his show. Host on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Yeah. He's out of New Jersey. What the hell would he know about the Denver Nuggets in New Jersey? Unless he's talking to Phil Jackson, and Phil Jackson's telling him, "I'm going to hire Brian Shaw as soon as Denver fires him." But you know, we'll see what happens. Who knows? Well, you know, that's that guy's tweet. So, those of those of you who are listening to this right now, that's uh, at Hoops Critic, at, at Hoops Critic. He's the one who tweeted this. So, I kind of think too. I, I don't think. Uh, well, I, well, I do believe Brian Shaw should be on the hot seat for a number of reasons. I don't believe Tim Conley should be on the hot seat. I, I think I don't either. I, I was I was not very happy with some of the moves that, that Tim. I didn't I didn't like the JJ Hickson deal, even though I kind of liked JJ Hickson. I was kind of nervous about it because of what I was reading out of Portland during that season. Uh, I I did not like the Nate Robinson move. 
I do feel like the Nuggets have shifted and are placing a much more emphasis on leadership and on quality guys to put into your locker room. So yeah. that's encouraging. Yeah. I loved what they did on the draft. I, I think I would definitely give Tim Conley and company because I think he's put together a tremendous staff in Denver, a very big staff. Uh, he's got a tremendous, like you've alluded to, a tremendous scouting department, including himself. Um, and I, I think the jury's still out on what the Nuggets front office can put together here. But uh, time will tell, I guess. We'll, we'll find out. I, I like Tim personally. I like his Nurkic pick. Um, I even like the Gary Harris pick. Yeah. If he got any more playing time, you know. And that's and a guy, I mean, second half of the season, honestly, the Nuggets should get rid of some of those veterans, and Gary Harris should be playing 30 minutes. In I agree. I agree. And he's not developing. It's just his shot hasn't improved what little time he gets. He needs to play. But I think he's got a good shot. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be good. I hope so. I hope so, too. I really do. And I, I also, I don't know, again, I feel in Shaw's offense that he doesn't emphasize getting to the rim enough, even though he'll talk about it. But again, you know, he also said the Nuggets were going to run a lot. So, you know, take what he says with a grain of salt. And I would like to see Gary Harris attack the rim a little bit more. And I don't know if that's the offense or if that's Gary Harris, but if he wants to be successful, he's got to get to the rim. He's got to get to the rim, get the three. But he, more than anything, he needs minutes. No, and that's the overarching theme here. And is Yusuf Nurkic going to get consistent minutes if Brian Shaw is still the coach? Yeah. And that's when you got to start looking at guys, too. I mean, are you going to start giving these guys, these young players that need minutes, are you going to start giving them minutes? And, again, is that that's going to be another thing that, you know, we saw Masai Ujiri and George Carl buttheads about was developing Evan Fournier, playing JaVale McGee, like, General managers want to see the draft picks that they drafted get playing time to figure out if that guy can play or not. Yep. And they need to see time, and maybe, hopefully, if they trade Aaron Aflalo, if they trade Aaron Aflalo, they start to free up some time. You know, obviously that would mean Randy Foy, if he's still here, would start. And then you would bring in Gary Harris off the bench. Oh, jeez. I hope, I hope Foy is able to chase greener pastures. I hope I hope Nelson is too, and you know I, I hope that Darrell Arthur is, and I wish JJ Hickson could, and I wish Javale <laughs> McKee could as well. <laughs> Even uh, if Javale's greener pastures are just a DJ booth somewhere in Las Vegas, you know? <laughs> buy him out, see if anybody signs him, and he can go do whatever the heck he wants. He's made his forty million. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the other thing too. Let's say that the Nuggets aren't able to trade Javale McGee, and they know they can't trade him. The deadline passes. Would I buy him out just to have him go away? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would too. I mean I'm done with the experiment. It's over. It's it needs it needs to end. It needs to end. Yeah. All right, well let's get out of here. We've just been rambling about yeah. the same thing. Just a couple of idiot bloggers doing our thing. Down here at Jake's Food and Spirits, thirty eight hundred Walnut Street, two for one Tuesdays. Fat Tuesday here at Jake's. We're glad you spent your fat Tuesday with us. <laughs> Carl Sports guys. <laughs> Ross, hope you get off that cruise ship soon, my friend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully we see you soon, Ross. It's been two weeks in a row. Come on, man. You're slacking. He is slacking. Well, maybe we'll see him next week, but we know we'll see all of you next week. <laughs>